0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: It is Tuesday. It is February 8th. The NBA trade deadline is in 48 hours. And I am your host, Adil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. It is the out-of-sight podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network, where you can find all of your vox media podcast this is i have the great honor of being either the first or second podcast on the podcast network discussing the trade deadline depending on timing and everything else that happens but to kick that off let's bring dave in here dave early contributor for liberty ballers um dave should be fun should be fun week shouldn't it It should be a fun week. Yeah, let's hope it is. Now, there were a couple of dominoes that fell over the weekend. So let's start with that first and kind of see if there's any Sixers implications at all. First, there's the Karis Levert trade to Cleveland. I actually really like this deal for Cleveland. Not having Colin Sexton for the remainder of the season, giving Darius Garland some help with Levert. I actually like that for the Cavaliers. I'm not saying it makes them like a serious finals contender or anything like that, but Cleveland seems to be trending in the right direction, which is not great for the Sixers who are trying to make that finals push. What do you think about that deal? It's great. You know, they're, they're a team who's playing well enough where you're like,
2: I'm racking my brain for any potential comps of a team that young and that new together, making a deep deep Eastern conference push and it's hard to come up with one, you know, you've kind of got a murderer's row at the top as well as Garland Mobley and Allen are playing uh, as well as Lavert might help. You're still going to ha- have to get through these veteran names like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, or Giannis Middleton and Drew, or, you know, KD Harden and Kyrie perhaps. So it'll be tough for them to, to make a deep run, but if they could have home court, they'd be one of the more fun teams to watch. So um, there was, I listened to a podcast where I think it was Brian Winterhurst was like the Dan Snyder. I know who I covered at one point, he would push hard for Ben Simmons here. The um, Dan Gilbert, so, you mean D- Gilbert? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess they've given up on that idea. You know, maybe if they had a healthy and falling out Colin Sexton to offer, maybe, The Sixers would listen in the way that they ended up listening on Tyrese Halliburton, we can presume, who knows, but I'm guessing they went in another direction for a lot less
1: uh, assets. For the Pacers, this is the other Sixers implication, and that's regarding Damana Sabonis. There are some rumblings that there are teams interested in him and he would Likely be some part of a three-teamer where Sabonis go somewhere. The Sixers uh, are able to unload Simmons and get something back for him. If it's more or less tank season for the Pacers, Sabonis is like a major piece that could be a serious name around the trade deadline. If it's a three-team Simmons deal, am I am I missing something? Reading something wrong there? Assuming I... too much. <laughs>
2: I think Sabonis is in play. I, I don't think that the Sixers would be the team getting him. But if you said that Bradley Beal, I think Mark Stein mentioned, like, what if he made it an 11th hour? Get me out of here. Uh, in that case, could the Wizards look to a guy like Sabonis or De'Aaron Fox as the centerpiece of a rebuild themselves or a repivot, retool type of deal? Um, that's something you would assume Daryl Moore and the Sixers would jump at.
1: The other deal that went down over the weekend, and this was incredibly confusing to me, and it involved the Portland Trailblazers. And going into the season, right, Damian Lillard, he was upset. He was frustrated. And I just felt like moving Norman Powell and Robert Covington is not the kind of message you want to send to Dame Lillard when he's already kind of upset with the direction of the franchise. It's
2: hard. Yeah. It's hard to see what Dame would feel. You know, is this a long-term play to keep Dame? What do you even say now we'll have more cap space to make a push for a Jalen Brunson who, you know, so I guess it's more the other way where they have sort of accepted we're going to lose him at some point. Um, It's hard to see why you would do this. I guess, unless you're looking at giving him, one of those $50 million annual contracts down the road and you're saving money because you want to have this legacy player. These are the kind of things you would do if you've already won a title or two. Like, I think the Spurs might've overpaid as a thank you kind of deal or yeah. maybe Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki. They've, I think they've gotten those where it's like, we all understood this is above market value for them now, but you're not going to quibble over 10 million dollars with these type of guys who've done this for your franchise but is dame in that category where you'd feel okay about that as a fan dame still should have a lot of good ball left is he okay just sort of building planting a flag in a team that's clearly headed the wrong direction i don't know it doesn't make sense to me when i heard it i was like yeah of course this is an indictment on the blazers but what about 15 other teams who could have looked to get in on powell or covington i don't know
1: yeah, I was very much in the trade for Roco camp and just see what Portland would want back for him. And you're talking about the legacy aspect with Dame Lillard and the and the contract and overpaying market value, but like Anthony Simmons is gonna need to get paid. So I, I don't even would that even make sense? Like overpay market value for Dame Lillard but then also turn around and maybe have to give a max contract to Simmons. Who's having an actually really good year this season. The most generous version
2: of this I saw was, I guess, I think it was Woj on Twitter who was like, they say they can part with Powell because they really love what they have in Simons who they need to play. Simons. I'm sorry. I was just thinking like, but that's not why you get rid of Powell. I mean, you brought in Powell knowing you had McCollum. So Right. Clearly you clearly you didn't feel you had too many and even still if you wanted to move on from Powell at least get something at least get a first round pick at least get a young player. I mean I mean maybe they really really love Keon or maybe they love Bledsoe's locker room presence but it's just you spend a lot of time analyzing these deals and then you see one of these that
1: just leaves you shrugging. Assuming, um, assuming Harden isn't dealt to the Sixers for Simmons. And we'll get that into that in a second. If I'm Daryl Morey in the Sixers, I'm monitoring the Portland situation even closer than I was already beforehand, especially going into the deadline and hearing everything that Dame is talking about through the off season, seeing what they do in free agency. Like, I don't know if it wouldn't surprise me if Dame after this move for norman powell and if they do not too much during the draft in the offseason yeah i i think next offseason could be cash money in terms of getting willard in the sixers jersey do you agree
2: yeah if you if you were of the belief that dane was on the fence uh seeing this you have to increase your dial that he's going to ask out in the the near future with the summer being, you know, more likely than we felt it was last summer when we thought it was very possible. I think, was it Jake Fisher who said this always has felt like more of a t- 2022 play for Dame to ask out. I can't remember, but I think I read that somewhere. And so, yeah, if I'm, if I'm Daryl, I'm looking at that and saying, if, if I do need Ben Simmons on my roster to make that happen, or if I don't need it, it just makes it a lot easier and gives me more options then it just gives me one more reason to say no thanks to an offer involving Sabonis or De'Aaron Fox or John Collins and say, maybe I do really want to push this and shock it, shock the world and show <laughs> everyone what a sick, sicko I am and go into the summer because there really are these big fish like, like Harden, Beal, and uh, Dame to look into.
1: There's a sick universe where this happens and the Sixers trade – ben simmons to brooklyn for james harden and packages however that works out and then daryl turns right around and is just like you know what sign and trade harden for lillard like there's a there's one in fourteen thousand universes calculated by our friend dr steven strange where this happens and that would that would just be funny on a level that just defies description
2: yeah i wrote a piece about like what are some of the scenarios for a six or super team And one of them would be you you go through the deadline and a guy like James Harden says, I want to be a sixer. Now you can turn to maybe Sam Presti and say, look, I'm going to give you some picks. We've already done this before. I'm going to let you take Tobias Harris and my 2027. We'll tinker those protections on the 2025 I gave you to unload uh, Al Horford and swap in green. Uh, We're going to do that again. I'm going to have max cap space and I'm going to sign pardons either a four-year deal worth like 209 million or better yet for James will do an opt-in to his very hefty one-year deal and we'll extend Jesus. him in a few months so he can make you know 274 million on a five-year total deal and then I'm going to trade Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard along with <laughs> Seth Curry or something so you know like you said it's one in however many thousand but you can imagine if this is your only job and you're known as one of the more creative gms it's at least something you've thought about and keeping your hope and options alive for that without costing yourself anything important is probably what he's trying to do a lot of fans will counter and say but you can do a step trade improve your chances this year get a whole boatload of picks for ben and still try to do all that Um, and we can go back and forth on that point
1: Just the, the gymnastics involved in these scenarios, it's just, it's, it's a lot and it makes me really happy that Daryl is our general manager. Say people will say what they want about him uh, positively, negatively, but I still believe in Daryl's ability to put this together.
2: Yeah. um, I'm uh, friends with many, many Knicks fans who are really excited about Leon Rose. And just a few months after the summer, they're looking at these contracts like Julius Randle and Evan Fournier and They would be excited to unload these contracts for nothing (laughs) in the way that the Blazers did for Powell. And it it makes you happy that you at least have someone we feel is like an elite GM.
1: No no shade at Leon.
2: He's got no shades of Leon
1: whatsoever. The smoke and mirrors and possibly raging inferno surrounding James Harden is going to be on everybody's minds pretty much for the rest of the week, especially here on Liberty Ballers. I've said this before, and I'll just keep repeating it. Make sure that all bases are covered, right? You want to make sure that, like, if Harden comes to Philly, maybe he wants to stick around for Embiid's prime. But also, you also have to remember, Harden is, what, 32? I would be really careful about the years there because if they make this deal and – they haven't won a title in that span of four or five years, whatever. Do you really want to be paying 36, 37-year-old James Harden 40, 45, maybe even 50 million dollars? That's a major, major concern that I have with trading for, for Harden. The,
2: the the contract is a concern, but I don't think you're in a situation where you can worry about it. You know, like it's not like anyone who's who wants to give him a two-year deal is going to get him. Right. So if you're in the James Harden business, you're offering a five year deal if you can.
1: Because if you offer four, you, c- you should expect him to leave. Right. If there's no, well, wait, isn't the only way he can get five years is through sign injury? No, he can, he can because the Nets have his bird
2: rights, they can give him a five year deal worth about 270 if he were to be traded ahead of this deadline and were a sixer, they could offer him a similar contract.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot when if, you trade a player with bird rights, you get his bird rights. I forgot about that. Right. That's what the Sixers did with
2: Jimmy Butler. They were able to offer him a five-year deal. They chose not to do so. A lot of us are still rolling in our graves. <laughs> um, so if the Sixers were to land Harden ahead of this deadline, they could offer him what the Nets could currently offer him right now. They would then you know, take over that right or luxury or danger of offering him $270 million through his age 37 season. What we mentioned would be the opt in and trade where he takes the final year on his deal. And now he's making like $275
1: million. He just has to wait six, seven months to do it. I I think he'll do whatever is necessary to max out, getting the bag and securing the bag. I think that's where Harden is in his point, this point in his career. Yeah. I don't think think he's left. He wants to win a title too, but still. I think he wants both very badly. I think
2: he wants all the money possible and two or three rings. I think he still has hopes of multiple titles here. Um, I think because things are not going very well for him based on the reporting, he tends to blame sort of, you know, phantom or unsolvable issues. Like, the Nets injury problems or Kyrie Irving's part-time vaccine, all understandable frustrations, but things that don't actually answer why he hasn't played his best ball that wouldn't necessarily be solved if you were suddenly in Philly either.
1: Would you be concerned at all that you that the Sixers would be trading uh, no disrespect one head case for another one?
2: I wouldn't call either of them head case and feel good about myself doing that. Yeah, but, I know um, it's, 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 but, uh, it's
1: it, I apologize. It's one of the few terms that I have for this case. Unfortunately.
2: <laughs> here's, here's what I'll say. Cause I, I take your point very well. And I think the, the, the reporting from Woj and Shelburne today about um, James Harden has a tendency and people around him know this to blame others when things go wrong. That's yeah. like a well-known thing. That's for sure. A red flag. If if we believe Kendrick Perkins, I think we talked about this at one point that he's telling Kevin Durant one thing he's telling Joe Sai he wants to be a net. And then Jake Fisher is getting Intel from James Harden's camp, that he's not happy. He wants a mansion. He wants to be a central magnet. He doesn't like Steve Nash's lineups. That's a red flag for sure. Um, and these are problems that are not big problems when the big three is out there, they just destroy people if they are all out there. Right. But because they never are suddenly it's like, Oh, now I'm really worried about this, uh, this splinter in my foot. You know? <laughs> so.
1: Let's say that a, uh, hardened to the Sixers trade materializes in the next, uh, 36, 48 hours. Does that instantly make the Sixers the East finals favorite? Cause I'm not a thousand percent sure. Uh, no, I
2: don't think you would. Um, I think you'd still have a good case if you were, Brooklyn, I think you would still have a good case if you were Milwaukee and Miami. Um, But the Sixers would go from being like maybe the fourth or the fifth best team, um, depending on how the injury and part-time player stuff all shakes out, to maybe one of the top two teams.
1: The ceiling is a lot higher with James Harden.
2: Ceiling is a lot higher and the floor is
1: a lot higher. (laughs) We are going to take a little break, but when we come back, all this talk about Simmons and Harden, but our colleague Paul Hudrick posted a piece today about other possible targets that the Sixers could look into ahead of the trade deadline. So Dave and I are going to go through his list of six, and we are going to give our opinions what we think of that six pack of trade possibilities. It's the Out of Sight Podcast, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We will be right back and we'll uh, get into this. uh, We'll get into Paul's mix of six, if you will. Back in a sec.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team.
1: it is the Outside Podcast. It is the Liberty Ballers Network. I am your host, Adil Royster. I have Dave on the line. We just talked about uh, some trades that happened over the weekend and the growing, billowing, hardened smoke. But today, one of our colleagues, Paul Hudry, he posted a column today about some trade targets that are not named Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard or James Harden. And since I have Dave on the line, I am going to pick his brain how he feels about some of these players here. So to start, we have Kenrick Williams, forward for the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh six foot six, and I'm quoting Paul's piece. Strong defender, capable of guarding one through four. It has good versatility. He has some free throw shooting concerns, only about 54% this season. But he's hit 41% from three on two attempts a game the last two seasons. I don't know if that's a small sample size, but what do you think about Kendrick Williams as a small kind of filler trade piece?
2: Yeah. I mean, there was, I think it was, I think it was Jake Fisher bleach report who said that the asking price here is a first round pick. That would be too steep for me on Williams. Yeah. um, I think, you know, the biggest, the elephant is that the block pending blockbusters, either at this deadline or the summer. And because the Sixers already have that 2025 tied up, I don't want to use first round picks on a guy who I'm not sure moves the needle much for me here. Agree. Um, and so, you know, then the argument is, well, do any of these guys actually move the needle? The Sixers are pretty darn good. Like they're, they could be in contention for the one seed, maybe having a guy like Williams, who you could put on a, struggling James Harden in a home game in Brooklyn where Irving's not even on it. Maybe he does move the needle. And that's, that's a fair point. Still. I don't want to lose out on Beal or Dame because I, I got this guy. So it would be tough for me to pull the trigger. I would probably look to find someone like this another way. Uh, Look for alternatives. If that was the absolute bottom line, but maybe, you know, a guy like Isaiah Joe or Furkan or Paul Reed, Gets me to the point where I could do the rest with second rounders, and it's more tempting. Um, you mentioned the three point shooting; the volume is definitely low. It would be hard to bank on a guy who's only taking one or two threes per game in you know twenty minutes or so. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he's been good.
1: I think he's one of the most enticing names on this list. The second and third names I'm gonna bring up they're a pair of Pacers. I do like one more than the other, and I think a lot of people do as well. One is Justin Holiday, and then the other is Torrey Craig. I will say I am enamored with Justin Holiday in a Sixers jersey. The three-point volume is there. He's averaging about seven attempts a game, which is a career high. He's not the rebounder that Williams is, again, quoting Paul, but he's a better shooter at a higher volume. And I like Holiday because if – Corkmaz is going to continue to struggle and just be really inconsistent. It would help to have a better shooter like a Justin Holiday out there.
2: Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head when you said the shooting volume is there. This guy is like Corkmaz. He will he will shoot every chance he gets. Uh, and that's something that the Sixers could really use. I think oftentimes we we use this benchmark of 40% in our minds. Uh-huh. Um, you could probably get this guy to shoot 40% easily if he was willing to shoot like three less triples per game, but I don't want him to, I want a guy who can put up like, you know, nine threes in 36 minutes. Yeah. Which he's trying, he's close to doing um, no hesitation. He's at 38% on those. So this, this is an underrated shooter, in my opinion. And as a veteran, he's 32. I think the last time I checked his defensive EPM was positive, you know, not much, but he wasn't a massive liability in the defensive end. And there was a report at one point that the Pacers were looking for two second rounders for him. Um, I'm sure we had yeah, those laying makes, around. Yeah, that's, that's an absolute phone call for me. Uh, if I'm Daryl
1: Mooring. You brought up his age at 32, he'll be 33 at the end of the season. Uh, and if Furcon is in the deal, then like, like you say, might only cost like two second round picks. But if the Pacers ask for Korkmaz just for like salary fillers and whatnot, Korkmaz is 24. So is it worth it to have more of a veteran presence like a holiday right now going into Embiid's prime? It makes it, it makes
2: the margin slimmer and then suddenly I kind of want those picks that I'm offering because Yeah, I do think you can rely more safely. Korkmaz has just been bad this year. He's like known as a marksman who's just not marksman this season. Now, I don't know the exact reason. Is some of that, if the Sixers know that a sprained wrist has lingered and that's part of this, you know, and then he picked up, I guess, some knee soreness, if they know that this is injury related, then maybe they feel more comfortable betting on positive regression on his shooting, in which case you don't and you try to do it for someone else. But if if Indiana was enamored with cork miles for whatever reason, I, and it was, then it would cost me like a second round pick. I think I would do that.
1: Tory Craig just reminds me of a better shooting PJ Tucker, so like that's that's fine if you really want that kind of like defense and toughness. But eh, I don't I don't think Tory Craig really moves the needle that much the way like a a Holiday would. Um, off the top of my head, I'm wondering about that. PJ Tucker
2: is. He's on fire from three this year. So I don't know <laughs> if he's a, he's shooting 47% from three. On Let's how many or,
1: attempts? Three. Okay. All right. That's three I'll, per I'll, game. I'll take that. That's fair.
2: <laughs> it, it's actually more than Craig. And we know from watching the Suns last year that Craig is not this sniper. He, he is a good player, but between those two, I would definitely prefer PJ Tucker. I'm yeah. More in his history would as well. Tucker is a guy who just a few months ago you put on Kevin Durant the entire game and yeah he gave up 50 points but he was one of your better options out there and allowed Middleton to not have to do so
1: it's also Kevin
2: Durant I mean like what are you gonna do (laughs) yeah a lot of people have said in the past like you put Ben Simmons on Harden because Kevin Durant's gonna get open mid-range pull ups you might as well live with Tobias Harris guarding him yeah he's Um, gonna get his (laughs) yeah yeah so, uh, but, but I like Craig. I like Craig. And I think Craig also showed in some of those Suns games last year the ability to play this sort of switch-heavy lineup. He could play a little bit of small ball center once in a while when Dario got hurt. Right, so, I remember
1: that with those minutes.
2: That Doc's not, not going to try anything like that. He likes to have Drummond out there. Um, but having a guy who could if you ever needed to or you ever hoped to um, not bad if if he was available for the right price, I like him for sure. And I know our Harrison Grimm loves him, so <laughs> all the more
1: reason. Corey Joseph is a name that Paul put on this list. I I feel like Corey Joseph is one of those guys that like he he's been a Sixer in our mind for so long. It just sucks that he wears different jerseys every year.
2: Yeah, for Corey, I mean, I think he's been one of the best on ball. You know, no one, very few people slide their feet as well as Corey Joseph. When you're guarding a sort of water bug guard to use Brett Brown's old saying the problem with Joseph is his shooting hasn't been reliable, but the last two seasons, he's been 36.8 and 43%. So for those reasons, uh, I think I might give Joseph a call. You'd also gain some goodwill because he's a clutch client. I think with rich Paul, right? Not the worst idea. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Paul mentioned uh, if he would be an upgrade over Milton, and yeah, maybe, but he also pointed out that Milton could play off-ball next to Joseph if Furkan continued to struggle or was sent somewhere else, like, you know, to Detroit for Joseph. See, I would think that
2: that Shake Milton had a kind of a scary stress fracture in his back. I think it was something that Joel Embiid once had spondylosis of the spine, or I forget how to say it, but, um, and he's got back issues now. I don't know anything, but it, I'm assuming that the Sixers are not a thousand percent banking on him being a member of the playoff rotation, just based on some of his history could be wrong. But if that's even a consideration that, you know, if you told me his timetable was maybe six weeks away, I'd be a lot more likely to shop him than say Korkmas.
1: Ty Jerome for a sentimental value. Uh, he's He was originally a Sixers draft pick, but he was moved on draft night for the team to get Matisse Thibel. Uh Ty Jerome, 24 years old, and Paul pointed out that the Thunder have four promising guards that are all younger than Jerome's. Uh, so SGA, Giddy, Lou Dort, and Trey Mann. Um, if OKC is willing to... Part with Ty Jerome for like the Justin Holiday deal, like a pair of second rounders. I would do that.
2: Eight eight point two three-point attempts per 36, and but under 30% on those looks. So it's tough to expect him to provide shooting. And if you can't, I don't see how he's cracking
1: the rotation. And the the last one, this goes out to your your Nick fans. Uh Paul put Kemba Walker on this list I don't know if I would trade for Kemba Walker but if he was a buyout candidate maybe in that scenario but I'm not moving assets to acquire Kemba Walker the problem with banking
2: on the buyout market is they tend not to go to Philly Um, yes (laughs) if you already had James Harden I might feel differently about that but I think if you wanted Kemba, you'd have to trade for him. And that's tricky. It would take multiple small contracts. You might have to include, um, you know, a couple of maybe Corkmas, Shake, Reed. So it starts to make those margins pretty slim. I haven't seen Kemba play a ton this year. But I know from my Knicks fans' friends, they're trying, to, they're trying to move off him for anything. One of my friends said, I'll give you him for Paul Reed. So wow. I can't say that I can't say that I'm expecting a resurgence from Kemba but he is one of those microwave guys where if he has it going you can leave him in and if not maybe he'd be okay with riding pine but maybe he wouldn't I think that he's been a little frustrated with his role in New York this year too so
1: I I think he'd be serviceable as you know the the backup to Tyrese Maxey as Paul kind of pointed out and like you said if he's going then great keep him in and just like let him feast with the second unit. And if he's not, just stick him on the bench and just leave him there until you know the microwave gets going again. It it could ra- raise some
2: scenarios where you have some tricky lineups. You know, you would need to trust that Doc's gonna get that right where he's playing him and Seth and not cratering the defense. Mm. Um it's the cost of getting him here with the three three players going out and his defense. I just don't see that
1: one happening here in Philly. Not, not feeling it unless it's a buyout situation? Yeah, I'm, I th- I'm think I'm with you there. All right. Well, no matter what happens in the next couple of days leading up to the trade deadline and after the trade deadline, uh, Liberty Ballers has all of your trade deadline needs covered. You can go on LibertyBallers.com right now and you will find the 2022 NBA trade deadline transaction tracker Uh, Sean Kennedy is updating that as quickly as the Woj Bombs come out. And, yeah, it's a good way to keep an eye on how things are shaking out and how they relate to the Sixers going forward into the playoffs. So it'll it'll be fun, and we got you covered. On the site, on the podcast network, we got it. We got all the information in the news, so don't even worry about it. LibertyBallers.com, your source for everything this week. Uh, Dave. Appreciate you coming on uh, real quick. Last question, since you have kind of a unique situation because you comment on the Brooklyn Nets for the Clutch Points app. Are there little things that you're seeing slash hearing like are, are how, how are Brooklyn fans kind of like are they nervous? Like what's going on up there? Yeah, I think it's all over the place. You've got
2: your optimists who still think this is the finals favorite. Per betting markets and we just need to be healthy then you've got sort of the other the under end of the spectrum where it's Kyrie Irving is able to play in 10 games for the rest of the regular season at home 10 Um, they are teetering on the brink of that play-in tournament which raises for Nets fans the specter of hosting a team like maybe the Raptors 538 predicted today that it would be Nets hosting Raptors in a play-in tournament and that's in a game where Irving is not available. So Ooh. that would be single game elimination. You hope Katie's perfectly healthy. You hope James Harden's perfectly healthy. But to be honest, the Nets haven't been perfectly healthy since they assembled the big three. Joe Harris is, you know, who, Zach Lowe speculated that he might not be back at all, or if he is, certainly not at one hundred percent. He mentioned oh. Nick Claxton's hurt. Marcus Aldridge has an ankle. Oh wow! So there are definitely some hellscape narratives out there for Nets fans if they wanted to look to them where you can understand when Harden is playing as poorly and you're hearing that he has a wandering eye, why you'd entertain the notion of a guy who really wants to, this will be funny to Sixers fans, but really wants to play.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: And who really wants to be in Brooklyn more than anything and is under contract for, you know, three and a half, four years. Uh,
1: I, I, don't, I don't really feel bad for Brooklyn fans, but eh, you know what? It, it's fine. Everything will work out, guys. Everything you... you
2: <laughs> you, could, you couldn't feel bad if somehow you got Embiid, Harden, and Kyrie, and they just never ever played together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for uh, one reason or another, they had two games logged together.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I just love the semblance of that team, and not like the added foresight of what could possibly happen down the road. <laughs> but you know what? It's fine. Every it it's the it's the era of adaptation. Like we all have to adapt to stuff. Uh, but Dave appreciate all of your knowledge and wisdom on all subjects and I will talk to you soon my friend. Thanks so much for having me
0: more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use HubSpot